I think I'm really a cultural tourist and it was just, it blew my mind. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Big Local Podcast because we are Black, global, and we are local. And today we're continuing with the conversation of Africans working in other African countries. In the previous episode, we talked about uh, Agenda 2063, the Africa that we want. And in that agenda, there's a lot to do with migration, labor, and movement. So uh, I figured we need to have more conversations with more Africans. And today I have another lovely lady on the show. I'll let her introduce herself and then we'll kick off this conversation. Uh, she tells us her story of how she ended up working where she is right now, where she uh, where she's living and where she's working. Uh, Diana, over to you. Thank you for joining us. Hi Morungi, how are you? Thank you for having me on the on the show today. It's a pleasure being here. And I think you're doing amazing work with the YouTube channel. Thank you so much, Diana. So Diana, you know, you need to tell us a little bit about yourself, you know. Where were you born? What you enjoyed as a child? Did you ever have dreams of ever ever leaving your home country to go work elsewhere? You know, things like that. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's quite interesting whenever you're asked to introduce yourself and say a bit more about yourself. First, you know, recourse is, you know, this is what I do professionally. So I really like how you structure those questions. So um, a Kenyan by birth, I was born and raised in Nairobi and um, went to school in Nairobi, um, did my university in Nairobi. Um, worked for my early years in Nairobi um, within the communication and knowledge um, industry. Um, so I have a very strong background um, in it. Um, growing up, we grew up in a relatively small family. I'd say small, quote unquote, because the definition of the size of family is changing um, in <laughs> Africa right now. So I had. Um, two brothers and one sister, who I am extremely, extremely, extremely close to. I um, grew up with my mom, my dad, both um, working professionals. But the one thing I remember about our childhood is the fact that I really loved to read. I loved books. I loved magazines. I loved, oh my goodness, I loved the Reader's Digest. I loved the Reader's Digest. And I remember... When we'd go up country um, to visit my grandma, I think my aunts, they used to collect magazines and you know store them up country and whenever they'd go visit. And I had this massive collection of Reader's Digest, however dated, <laughs> to read. And they had interesting stories and sections where you'd learn about vocabulary and things like that. And I think that's really where my love for words and books started. So I think I am privileged because our parents, my parents saw this um, interest right from the start and they're really biased 
books and magazines and encourage our reading and writing. And I, I love the language, um, not the language by itself, but as a mode of expression. So we, um, I remember when I, I, I left um, primary school um, in English, I actually had a 99%, which was the perfect score in the uh -huh. language. So I, when I joined um, university, um, I, I, I think I was looking for this, you know, outlet, creative outlet um, for my creativity, an outlet for mm. my creativity. And so I enrolled for um, the visual arts class that we had in the 844 system. Oh. And one time we went for a holiday and we came back from our holiday and our art teacher had just left the country and we didn't have a teacher for nearly an entire town. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we'd sit in the art room and entertain ourselves and try and make do <laughs> with our time. But I think in that at that time, I think that the, the school was trying to liaise with the, you know, the ministry and the authorities mm -hmm. to try and get a replacement and they just could not. And mm -hmm. so all the art students were then bundled up and added to the students who are doing home science, you know. So that was it in as far as my creative expression was concerned in high school. Um, went to pre-university in Nairobi as well. Um, we had um, an arts program there as well in St. Mary's School. And I enrolled for it almost immediately. And I loved it, but it was clear. And I think this was a truth I didn't want to reckon with early on. To be an artist, you have to have some base, you know, technical skills. Yes. <laughs> Whether it's drawing the human form or creatively expressing yourself in a certain way. And if I'm quite honest with myself, I don't really think my visual art really measured up to the other students who were brilliant artists who, you know, mm -hmm. I was in class with and that each honed a very unique style for their art. So I, you know, I was, I was almost like lost trying to figure out where can I, you know, express myself creatively. Mm -hmm. And at that point I stumbled writing. Um, so I did a lot of writing in my free time, you know, both, you know, creatively for myself, um, but also on, you know, short-term, small-time assignments. And that's really what I define as one of my passions in life. It's just about mm -hmm. creating a strong narrative through words and more recently supplementing that with data and number and figures. So, yeah, that was my schooling. Um, university as well. I studied uh, communication in Daystar University in Nairobi. Um, public relations uh, specialization. Mm. Um, and I worked and lived in Nairobi for very many years after that. Um, so I did have a bit of experience. Um, I, I think I was really blessed to have worked with um, an organization or organizations that had, you know, either regional or pan-African remits, you know, at some points, communication agencies. Mm. And that gave me a bit of, you know, insights of, you know, the differences in, you know, culture and you know ways of working in expression across the african continent 
um, I hadn't deliberately set out to work outside of Kenya, but um, as life would have it, you know, life sometimes just throws you that curveball <laughs> when you're getting a bit too too comfortable. And um, I was working. Um, I'd shifted from private sector communication. I was now within the development space. Mm. And I met my current husband, um, mm-hmm. who happened to be Uganda. Uh-huh. Um, and so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we had a, a courtship period of about uh, two years. And all that time, I think the reality was dawning on me quite slowly that, you know, eventually we'd have to make a call on where we're going to live if we do yes. get married. Um, but, you know, we, we tend to be creatures of comfort. Um, change sometimes is the hardest thing to, you know, deal yes. with, especially if it's, you know, quite abstract. Like, I don't know, I know this place, but I don't really know this place. And my life has been here the whole time. How do I even see myself moving? Um, and I think the other thing that really um, um, complicated it for me is I've always been quite independent, you know, I've worked, you know, right through university, um, you know, found my own way in life. And a lot of the times, if you then make the leap and make the move, it comes with quite a few concessions, including yes. your professional career. Yes. And that was also quite a big worry of mine. It was a really big worry of mine. Um, so what I did is when we so we got engaged and about six months to my wedding date, I began really applying for jobs within my space, but here, mm. based here in Uganda. Mm. So I'd apply and I'd apply and I'd apply on a daily basis. I would really apply for jobs because I was praying something came through. Um, as luck would have it, um, had our wedding in June. Um, in Kampala, um, and I got the job I currently hold, which is within the communication space, and a nonprofit which is focuses on financial services and financial mm. inclusion. Um, in September, wow. which I'm I'm truly 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 grateful to God for, mm. and that's how I ended up settling in Kampala. Interesting. So you never ever dreamt of leaving the comfort zone of Nairobi to go anywhere else. So before your wedding, had you even traveled a bit to, you know, other parts of Africa or even outside Africa, had you? Yes, I had. So, and I think the other thing is um, I'm fortunate enough that um, the jobs that I held um, gave me the opportunity to either you know, execute in other countries or travel to these other countries for, you know, meetings and mm-hmm. projects. Within Africa, of course, our darling East Africa, um, Rwanda, Uganda, Tanzania traveled to, um, in Southern Africa, South Africa, and Zambia, uh, West Africa, Nigeria, Ghana. Um, I traveled to Peru in South America, Mm-hmm. Um, I traveled to Canada, the US, um, England, Sweden, Denmark, um, UAE, India. India was um, a personal tour, one of my uh-huh. best tours to date. 
I think I'm really a cultural tourist and it was just, it blew my mind. Um, so I had traveled um, quite a bit. I'm sure there are a couple of places which don't come off the top of my head, but um, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to get that exposure early mm -hmm. on in my career. Okay, great. Awesome, awesome. So how long have you been, you know, living and working in Uganda? So slightly over um, two years, mm -hmm. so take two years, two months now, mm -hmm. um, living and working in Uganda. Okay. So and married in Uganda. Yes, yes, yes. So when you told your family and friends, okay, guys, I've met this guy, I think we are serious, and that would mean that I have to cross borders, what were their reactions? Interestingly, um, a lot of the women who were close to me, mm. um, family especially, and were more concerned about um, what happens to your career. Yes. These are conversations I don't think would happen at all, you know, just even a decade prior to this. Yes. But even my grandmother, my grandmother was very happy for me. Um, she'd met my fiancé. She was completely taken by him. But her biggest concern for me was what happens to your career? career. What happens to your professional life? Mm. Um, and she really wanted me to take pause and figure out how to make the transition in a way that would not really affect my career. Mm. So there was a lot of concern um, when it came to that. Um, and then the other interesting thing I picked up is, and I really believe that as East Africans, we need to cultivate positive curiosity about each other. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there are some countries that are more, you know, economically advanced than others. We are definitely not at the same you know, um, at the same base level, um, yes. even there are other African countries which are more advanced than you know where I'm from. But you need to be curious positively about other countries to try and figure out what are the good parts about that country. Um, so for me, I think one of the most uh, positive things has been the social connections, which mm. are quite, quite strong. Um, the family unit here, well, in as far as I've experienced, is very, very strong. Um, so those were some of the reactions, interestingly, from a lot of the women around me. And that also tells you about how, you know, I'm strong and how independent a lot of those women are oh, and that want yes. it to be the same. Um, so my, um, um, I think I'm also grateful that I got a very understanding partner. And in as far as we were married, he didn't, you know, give me an ultimatum of I'm giving you a month or two months to make the permanent move. It was more about what works for us as a unit, but also what works for us as individuals, because we are yes. all pursuing our own interests. Um, so I didn't really feel the pressure from him to move immediately after the wedding. Um, but mm. I'm sure he also knew that I was doing a lot to try and move in a way that would make sense for me. Yes. You know, what you talk about women supporting women, that's very important, especially now more than ever. Because most times when you tell people, say you're moving, in this case, you're getting married, you're moving to another country, the concerns are more about the marriage itself 
are not the individual who is you in this case. I was like, ah, but uh, how are you going to do this when you're married? How is this going to happen when you're married? Hey, when you're married, when you're married, but what about me, the individual? You guys are not asking about <laughs> what am I comfortable? Is yeah. this, is, is, will this really work for me? So I'm glad that you had a support system that was looking out for your individual interests in this student. And I think we should have more Definitely. of that moving forward. And uh, I guess you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> you're one of the I, lucky I mean, ones. it was a mixed bag. It was a mixed bag. There were some people who are more, you know, focused on, you know, the marriage aspect element of it. Um, which is understandable, yes. um, but I must say the, the, the people who stood out for me, led by my grandmother, my grandmother who lives in Busia um, <laughs> and who's raised 10 children herself, was, was what struck me the most and which has remained with me through that experience of mm. you need to think not just about today, you need to think about the next five years, you need to think about the next 10 years, you need to think about the next 50 years of your life, and you need to make your moves in a way that makes sense. So. The women who rallied around me in that manner have come to view in a whole new light of respect. Yes. And these are people who I'd actually then be able to go and talk to mm -hmm. and ask for advice from when I'm making some of these larger life moves. That's very important. So apart from that, well, you had traveled around Africa and, you know, Uganda. But were there any other, you know, fears that you held you as an individual or maybe perhaps cultural things you were not so sure about? Male things you might have heard over the media or, you know, people around you, people talk. People talk a lot and I think some of this talk is what prevents many people from making moves so to speak so what are some of those things that you might have had that got you thinking staying up in the dead of the night <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's it's we, we have all these perceptions about each other and i think earlier i had mentioned um mm. the need for a positive curiosity, curiosity especially now that we are organizing ourselves around regional blocks mm -hmm. um bad news uh, sells and flies the fastest. Yes. But there are so many things that are happening in um, other countries in the East African bloc that are positive stories from stories of entrepreneurship, um, stories to women turning around, the, you know, their life stories for the benefit of women coming after them and their families. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many positive stories. Now, one of the biggest um, fears that I had was um, this pace um, for my profession and you know are there would there be as many opportunities for me in Kampala as they were in Nairobi because I was in communication and um, quite a lot of um, organizations are based or have their you know anchor um, for the rest of the region in Nairobi. Yes. Um, I worked in development again a lot of organizations anchored in mm -hmm. um, Nairobi yes. and one of my biggest fears was would be the amount of opportunities that would be available to me. But the organization that I currently work with, which is in financial inclusion and financial services development, has been one of the most dynamic working experiences of my life. You know, it's in a very niche field, um, very, very, very fast paced. Specific. Um, mm -hmm. Working a lot, you know, at the policy regulatory level, 
market infrastructure level, you know, financial services level. I'm so very fast paced. It's been such a brilliant team that I've worked with. Um, so I think that kind of um, very early on um, after I joined the organization, that fear of mine was allayed. Mm. Um, so the space for my career was one big fear I had. Um, of course, the cultural fits. You know, there are yes. a lot of um, urban legends about, you know, Kenyans being very aggressive and forceful and Ugandans being a lot more laid back and, you know, steeped in culture and respectful. And I was just wondering, will I really fit in and can I be my genuine 100% self um, when I move here? But I mean, I've met so many outspoken, dynamic, firecracker women who are blazing the trail here in Kampala. And I'm like, you know what? We really need to take time to learn more about each other. In that each way. other. So yes. I think um, those two things um, were some of my biggest concerns. And then, of course, you know, you've lived in a city your whole life. I've lived in Nairobi my whole life. Um, my social connections were primarily based there. My mm. professional connections were primarily based there. Would I in integrate and just move? You know, moving doesn't necessarily have to do with your job only. Yes. Moving can be something as simple as where can I take my child to the clinic? Um, where can I get a recreational spot where me and my family can go for the weekend? Um, because my husband had lived um, outside um, of the country as well for a bit of time. Um, he'd moved back to Uganda well before I moved here. Mm -hmm. But there was, all, there was that, you know, how do we reconnect and really dig our roots in here? So those were some of my earliest fears and concerns. But then, you know, you're planning a move, you're planning a wedding. You don't really get a lot of time to, to you know, think. Um, think about them and work through them. So I think I just, I just took, I, 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 Close I your eyes and dove into it. And trusted, yes. I see. All right. So about uh, moving and working, how easy or difficult was it for, you know, to process working uh, visas and all these things? Once again, those are things that I still don't understand why as East Africans, we still have these stringent things around us yet. Um, unemployment is real. That's not something we cannot run away from. It is real and perhaps if there are Kenyans coming to work in Uganda and Ugandans going to work in Tanzania, if the employment situation is not very favorable, perhaps the government is trying to protect their own. I understand that. But uh, in this world, in this new era where we're in, I think, I feel like every country has something special about it that another country might need. So making that movement easier perhaps would increase the economic pie and would have more jobs for everyone but we're still holding on to our restrictions yeah. but anyway how easy or difficult was it and did you even know about these things because some people move yeah, it, and then and then yeah. they're like hey you mean i need i need a working visa i need a working permit you know Oh, it, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I really like what you've said. And um, I think right now, um, especially with the direction the world is heading in, 
Mm. We are moving to a new economy that's knowledge-based, information-based, our most precious resource in East Africa, or one of the most precious resources we have is the people, yes. the young people, the brilliant people who have been exposed more than ever than the generations before them. So governments and authorities can either look at this as a threat and take that protectionist stance of let's protect what's ours, or an opportunity to cultivate things like a larger market, you know? Yes. And um, I, I mean, I, I moved from an East African country to another East African country. Um, I had proven work experience for over 10 years in my field. I was getting married to a Ugandan and settling here, but I still had to go through the rigors of applying for um, a permit. Um, so that um, in itself was, 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 was quite a process. Huh? And the thing that's, I, I think one of the most practical tips is, you know, we are moving to um, online portals and everything mm -hmm. is going online these days. And even here in Uganda, you apply for your work permit um, online. But what I'd really encourage people who are moving as a fast timer, if at all possible, um, go to the relevant government office, get clear direction on what you need to do and then lodge your applications because something it can sometimes it can be something very very simple that causes you a lot of problems down the line mm -hmm. so get that clear guidance um so before my work permit was processed i had to subsist on short term you know the visas and mm. it's very random um when you're coming in sometimes the immigration official will give you um, one month stamp in your passport, sometimes two months, sometimes three months. Um, if you're extremely lucky at the border, I guess you can get, you know, a couple of more months. So everything is tied to your status in the country. Uh -huh. Now, because I was waiting for my work permit to be processed, I did not want to apply for a dependence pass, which would mean I did not have the rights to work here. So mm -hmm. I like when I handed in my um, when I got my passport stamped um, with the visa open for X number of months. When you go to MTN to get your line, um, your mobile line, they only open it for the duration of which your visa has been stamped. So if yes. you have a two month visa, your line will only be open for two months. You go to the bank and they're like, we can't open an account oh, for you yeah. unless you have either a dependence pass or a work permit. And so it required quite a lot of flexibility and creativity on my end. Mm. Um, so I still have quite a few ties back home. Um, so I still operate my account back home. Thank God yes. for online banking. Um, I'd, 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 you know, I'd get you know, a number from my husband to use in the interim. But otherwise, I'd have to keep going to open up my line at the teleco. Mm. Um, so on a very practical level, one some of the things I remember was the actual drive, the actual move, you know, driving from Nairobi to Kampala because we decided to do driving. the drive. Wow. Um, yes, driving. So it's um it was quite an adventure, largely an uneventful um trip. But um you might want to consider it because we had a van and we had a substantial amount of, you know, my personal Items. goods. Um, mm -hmm. with us as we were crossing and their personal goods they have you know zero commercial value but um depending on the amount of stuff you're moving with you might you know 
try you might get into you know all sorts of issues at the border and mm-hmm. um, so make sure you have all your documentation right you have you know a performer invoice listing all wow. your things demonstrating the commercial value of those things unless you're just traveling with very few things which you won't have a problem with and then also um, service provision um you need to be very careful of the courier service that you use mm-hmm. there are very many creative ways of you know, moving your stuff across if it's just one border you can either use um a bus um mm. you can use um trackers who you know cross the border yes. you can use um, a formal courier service now sometimes we feel that you'll pay a premium to get premium service but yes. that's not necessarily all the case um, so if you do have a substantial amount of things to move, perhaps maybe, and I didn't do it, but this is something people can explore, is talking to the professional moving companies, you know, the people who mm. move houses and can move you across as opposed to a courier company. That might work out better. Oh, okay. Yes. Then um, at least in terms of a place, my husband already had a place. So at least I, I got up, you know, I came to a, a house that was already... <laughs> But it was about now exploring the surroundings. Um, one thing I love about Kampala is fresh fruits, vegetables, like they're so sizable. They're so, the food here is amazing. It's an abundant country and that's one of the things we have going for them. So... Mm. I mean, we have an orange tree at the gate of our home where we stay. There's an avocado tree that's currently overladen, you know, just across our fence. It's a really abundant country food-wise. Um, so it was about exploring the market, you know, learning how different things that I use a lot are called in Luganda, figuring mm. out who, you know. Now I have a specific store I usually go to in the market to get my stuff. Um, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot, I, I love the markets here, the fresh food, the different vegetables, the different ways of cooking, it, it, it's just amazing. So it's just about discovering your locale. 